One of my favorite quotes ever is from my next guest who said, it's going to be scary, but do it anyways. And what a simple yet profound statement, especially for those of you daring to follow your big dreams right now. So my friend, if you're looking for a big dose of insight, aha moments, and golden nuggets, then stick around because you've come to the right place. Welcome to the Beauty Aside podcast. I'm Gentry Quinn. I dropped out of school at the age of 17, got my GED, and still managed to build multiple businesses and a beauty line from the ground up. Beauty aside, each week we'll be talking with entrepreneurs and learning what it takes to achieve balance and what it really means to follow your dreams. Welcome back to another episode of Beauty Aside. I am your host, Gentry Quinn. And today's guest is no stranger to the show, or show business for that matter. She's a TV host and personality on Studio 512 right here in Austin, Texas. But what really impresses me about her the most is her perspective on life and her willingness to start over and make those big, scary changes that so many of us are afraid of. Welcome back, Stephanie. Hey, girl. Hey, how are you? I'm so excited to just be chatting to you today because this feels like a friendly conversation. It so, so is. And I'm always so excited and delighted to talk with you because I learned so much. So I know our audience is going to learn so much too. And today our theme is about starting over. And I know it comes in so many shapes and sizes, but The one thing that's consistent, in my opinion, about it is that it's never comfortable or hardly ever comfortable, and it's always inevitable. So now I'm going to jump right in. I did a little research online, and it said the top five most stressful life events included death of a loved one, divorce, moving, major illness, or injury, and job loss. And I'm like, from our, right? I was like, you know, (laughs) our previous conversations, I know that you've experienced about three of these and kind of like all at the same time. Mm-hmm. So I want to go back a little bit before we go forward. And I want so that everyone has a little, so I want to get a little intimacy going here because I believe that's where all of the juicy lessons come from, honestly. So can you just take us back to your first relationship and the first time that you actually had the thought that, okay, this is probably not going to work out because I know for myself that I was in denial for a really, really long time about my marriage and name because I Mm -hmm. thought, you know, if I say it out loud, then I thought it's going to come true and it's real. Mm -hmm. And so there was just, was there a time there? I mean, there was, there was a time when I was finally ready to handle that reality. Was there a transition point for you like that? Whoo, girlfriend, let's start out hot. I like I'm this. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I said we're going to go intimately. <laughs> this is good. This is juicy. Um, so I don't think about these sort of, I don't know, emotions, things, timelines that often. But interestingly enough, I have kind of recently explained this story to a friend who was like, gosh, I... I've never even asked you about, you know, your divorce and how that came about. Like, you know, a lot of people kind of wonder why so sudden or what happened. And and I'll be honest, it, for me, it wasn't sudden. So um, for me, probably like you, I knew, I knew for a long time that this wasn't what I was supposed to be doing, who I was supposed to be with, where I was supposed to be. And it was more of a feeling than anything else. It was just something that didn't 
sit right. And I'll have to say, uh, you know, it's, it's a sad thing. The whole thing is, it's sad. It's not emotionless. It's not like the easiest decision of my life to say, Hey, I'm, I'm not in it anymore. Or maybe I never was, but it's the truth. And so I think, you know, I, I faced my truth and as terrible, scary and horrible as that was, like, I don't look back and think, Oh, but did I do the wrong thing? I never once have. So, um, a little bit of background on all of it. I like, gosh, I had left a long-term relationship living in Paris and then uh, kind of moved back to the U.S. for a couple months, then moved over to Australia. And I met my ex-husband over in Australia and delightful, very, very lovely person. So I really don't have anything bad to say about him. He just was not the right person for me. And I probably knew this from the start, but um, we were together for a couple of years leading up to what was supposed to be a normal life track. So I felt the same pressures, and I think we've talked about this before, of like, hey, I'm 30, I need to get married, I'm 31, like, I have to consider having kids, I need this career, like, there was this timeline, and it was scary, it was scarier than marrying someone who I I knew wasn't necessarily like the right fit for me. It was like, well, I could make this work. So um, we went ahead and went on with it. And so in that whole time, a lot of the reason that I kind of just stayed in the situation, and I'm not saying this is the right reason at all, but maybe, you know, maybe it was for me at the time, um, was because if I didn't stay in that relationship, which was ultimately a healthy relationship compared to my last one, then I, I felt like I would end up in my last relationship. Like I felt like I'd end up going back to my ex. And this was kind of a security blanket, like keeping on with this relationship to not go backward. And so that was a huge crutch for me. Things were, you know, it was healthy. I was fine. And fine is feeling fine is something I probably don't do well with. So that is, that's a huge life lesson I've learned. Like when I'm just feeling fine, that's probably not a good thing for me because it's never going to be sustainable. Um, so fast forward to getting married and planning this dream wedding and, you know, having this life that I really like, gosh, I have a, a hard time recognizing it as that was my life, but it was, and I really needed something to plan. I needed a big event. So the event kept me going. Didn't, you know, I didn't have a lot of like, oh, this is the wrong person. Can't do this sort of moments. It was just sort of like, well, there's an event. And I, I'll be honest, I threw my first wedding for everyone else. Like there was nothing, nothing for me there necessarily. It didn't feel like I wanted to even be there. I just wanted everyone else to have a good time. So that was, you know, something I really carried with me later when I planned my second wedding. But um, the marriage itself, gosh, once, once we were married and the whole big wedding in the south of France and the six-week honeymoon all over Europe and all those things were over and done. And we went back to Australia and I went back to my day job. Um, I, I had nothing else to look forward to. I, I needed a next step. And that was the feeling of fine that I'm not okay with. And so um, oddly, very oddly, kind of all at the same time, I mean, and I'm sorry if you guys have all heard this all before, but um, I got a call to come to America and I also got a 
offer to open a branch of the company I was working for in recruitment out in, um, out in Australia, in Sydney. So it was either make big money, stay in Sydney, move my husband over to Sydney, all the things, or go back and live my dreams out in TV. And not a question in my mind. I was like, here's my out. So I packed up my life and I moved back and we had planned to have my ex-husband, now ex-husband, come over. And honestly, I was just so okay on my own. I was better than fine. I was excited again. I was like living out the life that I felt right with. And I didn't miss him. I didn't miss our married life. I didn't miss, you know, any of the things that came with it. And so I'd have to say, Gentry, that with the realization of I shouldn't be married, it, it really came as soon as I came back and got back into like what a lot of people would call the scaries of starting over. It was to me like the excitement of actually living out what I'm supposed to be doing. So um, I knew it. And about three months into living here back in America, he came over to visit and it was a surprise visit. He came a little earlier than he had, you know, we planned. And so during that surprise, I found myself not excited. Like I was like, oh gosh, now it's kind of an inconvenience that he's here. Like this messes with my work schedule. It wasn't, it wasn't like a, yay, this is my husband and we got to get our life sorted out here. It was like, well, now this messes up my day to day. You know, this messes up um, what I'm working toward right now. And it sounds harsh and it sounds terrible, but it just wasn't, it wasn't the right puzzle piece for me. And so in October, when we had been, we'd hit our one year anniversary um, and I'd moved probably seven, eight months into our marriage. Once we had our one year anniversary, I said it out loud for the first time. And I said it to uh, my former co-host out in Houston over dinner and drinks one night that I, I don't want to be married anymore. And he was like, okay, well, let's move on from this conversation. And, <laughs> and maybe you don't mean that and things. And so I didn't really say it again until um, another probably two months went by and my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer. And I had all these big realizations of like, life is short and, um, you know, things can't just be st stagnant for me. And at this same point in time, his visa had been cleared to move over to America. So it was all kind of hitting at the same time where he was supposed to be moving over. And I honestly, like the way I dealt with it, I wouldn't say is, you know, who knows how to deal with this sort of stuff, but I just kind of pulled the plug and I was like, I can't be married anymore. Like, I'm not, I don't want to be in this. Like there's, there's more fear of trying to integrate his life into mine here. I just knew, my gut knew it was not the right thing to do. So the more severe outcome would be to move him over and then tell him. So I knew, I knew 100% in my bones that it just, I was not supposed to be in this marriage. And by no fault of his, you know, um, he was, he was a great guy. Uh, but so it is, you know, it's sad for him, but it's also, you come, you come into this dilemma of, geez, like, you know, I'm going to fight my truth or I'm going to like, do I live out the rest of my life unhappy or do I just do what's right for me and save other people eventual heartache? Because right now everyone's going to be mad at me. People are going to be upset.
So I went with the portion of making others upset and I called it off. I called it off. That's it. So yeah. So that was the story of the first marriage relationship, ending it, how I ended it. I don't know if I could have done it better, how I would have done it better. Um, I honestly, I, I mean, we don't talk anymore. I don't know. Like he, he definitely just cut ties and things, which is, you know, it's fine. I don't, I don't necessarily, like, I don't disagree with him doing that or anything. And so to me, it was like, it is what it is. That was a portion of my life. I don't regret it, but it is crazy. You know, five years with someone total. And I just kind of like, I knew, and I knew for a long time that it wasn't wonderful. And then I knew that the marriage wasn't supposed to be there. So I ended it and here we are, (laughs) or there was one step, one step in the direction of where we've ended up today. Well, I personally really, really appreciate your blunt honesty. I think a lot of people like to hide behind pretty pictures and pretty words. And I just, it's really refreshing to hear someone speak so frankly about um, their journey. I know someone like coming from an ex- having a personal experience, when I say similar, obviously our, our experiences were very different, but similar in the way of having a relationship and having to go through divorce and having an end. I can relate to a lot of what you are saying right now. And there's so many little golden nuggets and, and messages and what you said. And something that stuck out to me was, um, well, first I want to, first I want to, uh, talk about this little quote and it's not verbatim, but I believe Tony Robbins said it, that if you're going to blame someone for everything bad, you have to blame them for all the good stuff too. We may have mm-hmm. even talked about this in, in our previous combos, but when I heard that it literally changed everything. And I think there's a lesson in what you said about, you always get something out of it. You were talking about the things that you got out of it because you could have ended it sooner. But I think whenever we decide to stay, unless it's like some type of abusive relationship, we're not going that route right now. I'm just talking about a normal, when I say normal, bad relationship, you know, intuitively it's not working, your heart's not there, whatever the Mm -hmm. case Um, but you stay anyways, I think there's always something that we get out of it. So if you're going to blame someone for everything, I feel bad. I feel like you're going to have to blame them for everything good too, because there's always something. So I think that's a really valuable takeaway right there that you gave us. And you also mentioned that this event was like, was something that you were doing for other people. So it was like a diversion, really. Would you considered, would you have considered yourself a people pleaser? at that time? Yeah. Yeah. I think to be quite honest, I've always had that in me and I've, I've evolved a bit like knowing that that is not how I need to live my days. However, there, there is, and there always has been an aspect of my personality that does try to please others. Um, and I think at that point in my life, it was less about like pleasing or impressing, but just putting on a show. So I put on a show because quite honestly, like that's what's in my blood. (laughs) Like I put on this big extravagant fun winery wedding in the South of France because I wasn't filling my soul with doing 
a daily TV show or anything creative. Like I was working in like finance, accounting, recruitment sort of stuff, things that made a lot of money, but it, they didn't make a lot of sense for my personality. So I feel like the bigger the show I could put on, the more of a like presentation and good time it was for other people. So I think less than pleasing or being like, look what I can do or see, you know, how much money I've like saved up or whatever, any of those things, it, it was less of that and more of my creative outlet, oddly. Well, it, and eventually you did trust your gut, even though that's how you were at the time. And those were the things that you were doing to kind of put on this a little bit of a facade, if you will. I don't know if you mm-hmm. would disagree with that, but, you know, trying to create this diversion with this picture, right? Sure. You really, you, another golden nugget for me is that you ended up trusting your gut, which is really hard for some people, uh, for most people, for most of us, and for most of you out there. I know it's hard. Uh, to trust your gut when it's scary and you don't know what the outcome is going to be. And it's really easy to dismiss those huge red flags Mm -hmm. that are right in front of you. Do you think that you mentioned your mom being diagnosed with breast cancer? I'm very sorry to hear that. Do you feel like through that, that maybe that was a wake up call for you? I think that it made me become a little more introspective, like really dig deeper or at least say I need to be living my truth. But to be honest, had that not happened, I think the outcome with my marriage would have still been the same. I don't know that I would have verbalized it to, let's say, my best friend after. So I told Derek, my ex-co-host, about it. And then that those few months later, I told my actual, like, bestie you know all of that and I was serious at that like I was like no this is my truth like this is something I need to explore and talk to someone about and so I don't know that it would have come as quickly um because at that point I was opening up about my mom already which you know I seem like maybe a bit of an open book when I'm talking to you but it's taken me a very long time to like actually open up to most people like if there were issues or problems in my life and that was probably part of my relationship and marriage like I've been pretty private about you know keeping those from people especially when I lived overseas because I didn't want other people here worrying about me or think like I was unhappy or anything like that so I was I was quiet and private about the deep downs like the things that were really needing to probably bubble to the surface so I'd say her being diagnosed probably allowed me to speak a little bit deeper about things with my best friend at that point. And that maybe, you know, engineered the follow through of the next step a little bit quicker. And that makes sense. That makes sense. Um, I mean, as you've said before, changes are scary. And mm-hmm. I started off, I started off the podcast with one of your quotes that really resonated with me is is there a part of you that believes it'll always be okay, even when starting over doesn't necessarily feel good at the time? I think I have to believe that because I think I, as often as I like think, Oh gosh, what about this time? Is it really going to work out? Is it really going to work out? I've proved time and time again, or life has proved to me maybe that it does it does work out. And if it doesn't, then it's not done. <laughs> like, then that's kind of 
the thing that I, I probably need to trust because even as soon as, you know, two years ago when I moved out here to Austin, gosh, I had no backup plan. And I think for many years as like I was younger and I'd make all these huge changes, big decisions, big leaps. I always thought, well, there's a backup plan. I'm still young enough to really start over. So it wasn't as scary up until I got into probably my, you know, early to mid thirties and every jump became a little more scary, but yeah, I would say like, I mean, ask me the next time a huge, huge change happens, but uh, do I think I'm going to make it through? Am I going to be okay? Yes. And I'll listen to this again and hear myself. Say <laughs> Cause I, I mean, it always has worked out. It always, it always will. And again, it's not going to work out in your, you know, I guess your exact plan for things or how you'll probably even envision it, but it a lot of times ends up better than what you would even think. So yeah, it's a, it's a good nugget to ponder. All it is that. a good <laughs> nugget to ponder. You're full of those. It reminds me of that quote, everything will be okay in the end. If it's not okay, it's not the end. Yeah. My favorite little quotes. And it reminds me of that. I completely, I'm completely on the same page with you there. And for any of you out there listening, um, would love to know how you feel about that. Now, I know that, you know, we just went through the pivot of your relationship and we talked about how, you know, why you stayed, but you trusting your gut, um, you know, what that, that you were excited when you actually moved back here, right, to Mm -hmm. Texas, to Houston. And um, you, again, you just had to follow your gut with your relationship and your, and your job, but you were starting overs, (laughs) (laughs) plural, we're not over yet. So I want to take us to Houston for a moment and the time you were considering moving to Austin after you'd already begun to establish yourself there professionally, Mm -hmm. because I know that you had to build a fan base in Houston and then, you know, starting over in another local community, it takes time too. Right. So Mm -hmm. how hard was that to essentially start over again? That was way harder than moving from Australia to Houston. And a lot of that was because Australia to Houston was like a big excitement, brand new job, entertainment industry, something I really wanted to get back into. And then, yeah, I spent two years with, which felt like 10 really in Houston, like building as you know high and quick as I could this, you know, little TV empire there. And I made ridiculously good relationships. I was well connected. I knew my role, like things were only going up, but I was also working myself to the ground and I knew I couldn't sustain that. And with the option of moving to Austin, it was, you know, Aaron's job. And he was already out here and I was hesitant to make a move or a relationship. But at the same time, it wasn't like a, I'm going to be stubborn about this because it isn't the right move. It was a, I do not have a backup plan. So I didn't even have a plan coming out here to be quite honest. So when I finalized Houston life, like leaving, I knew I had to leave Houston life. Um, Even if I would have stayed in Houston, I think, it was just time for me to be finished with that show and the workload and, you know, the, basically the marriage I had to that job. Um, it, it needed some sort of 
compromised. It needed some sort of space. I needed to do something different for a bit. And so all of the things, you know, I had no, I had no answers. I was like, well, we, we oddly ended up buying a house long before I even moved out there. Um, I moved without a job and like I finished my, uh, my role at Houston Life in June and I'd been kind of talking to someone about doing PR and opening a company out here just as an option. Um, and so I, I went with that and I was like, okay, there's a step in the, in the direction. I'm going to hold on to this lead. We're going to do it. And so what I did was just close my eyes and jumped. And I, I would say the scariest leap I've ever made. So, you know, I've, I've jumped out of airplanes. I've done a lot of deep sea scuba diving, but jumping from Houston to Austin and, you know, fairly new, but very serious relationship plus, you know, buying a house with someone, which I've never done before. Plus like not having my connection to my community and really my identity. My job in Houston was my identity. Um, so leaving that and then coming to Austin, which, you know, I thought, oh, easy. I've started over in Paris. I started over in Australia. I started over in Houston again, you know, like new connections, new job, all the things. Sure. Austin, fine. But you know, when you're in your mid thirties and you start over like making friends and having a community, it's not built in and it's not going to come quick and fast. And especially when I wasn't really in a job, settled in a job that I knew I wanted to do for a long time. Like I was just trying to start a PR business out here. Like I didn't know what I was doing. Never done PR before. Like I worked in TV, but, um, you know, public relations for different clients was a, a new and weird thing. So there was nothing solid I could just hold on to. I was like, well, here we go. Um, so that was scary. That was hard. That was sad at times. That was, you know, probably the lowest I had been. Like, honestly, my divorce did not affect me anywhere near as much as trying to move here and start over because I didn't have anything I could claim as my identity anymore. And Aaron working as a firefighter, he was in his training and he was gone all the time. Like, He's gone a decent amount now and I'm very used to it, but not, but then it was like, you're alone completely. Like there was, you know, no best friend down the street anymore. No going to work, knowing all my colleagues, you know, no going out to a restaurant and knowing all the people there, the owners and stuff. Like it was all just so familiar in Houston. And then I'm out in Round Rock in a house with nobody to talk to or nothing to kind of drive and excite me for the first little while. So um, getting through that, I, I don't even know that I have any like big, you know, aha, like here's how you do it sort of, but you just have to be okay with the uncomfortable and just keep going. <laughs> like there's, there were podcasts I'd listened to people who have been through the same thing. There was no like golden ticket to get out of kind of the, the most, uncomfortable sort of like turning point of my life that I had like is this okay did I make the right decision I, I mean every day I was like should I go back to Houston like is this all gonna work what happens if it doesn't so knowing that I went through that 
whole period of time. Like Aaron knew, Aaron felt my husband now, you know, we weren't even engaged yet. And he was like, did, did I ask you to do like the absolute wrong thing? Like, have I really messed up here? Like he, you know, bless him for, (laughs) you know, thinking and feeling all those feelings for me and stuff too. And to be quite honest, like at some points I thought, well, maybe, maybe I did do the wrong thing. And it never felt wrong. It never felt like I shouldn't be here, but it felt like, holy shit, what am I going to do next? Like, who am I? What is my, you know, identity? Who are my friends? Who do I talk to? Who do I turn to? Where's my support group? What do I do with my day? Because I was so used to being so busy. And then all of a sudden it was like, like how many times can I clean this house? I'm not bringing in enough income to like fully decorate it and, you know, keep all these like different hobbies going and things. So it was a, it was a very weird time in my life, but gosh, I'm glad I went through it because that was such a good propeller to like knowing that when I landed, you know, the next thing and the next thing, and I look back at how my life turned out, I could have never imagined that. I could have never thought like, wow, like in two years, I'm going to look back at this and we will have already had a wedding and I'm going to be hosting a TV show. Like I didn't even come over here with, there was no job at KX again when I moved over here, you know, there was nothing. So that was, that was the worst of any of the changes or the moves or the things I've ever done, just as far as being in a spot that made me feel like, Oh, <laughs> like what? And I can't even describe that feeling other than like, Ugh. <laughs> like, what is this? And how do I make it go away? So. I think that you're actually expressing yourself really well. And there are, oh, you just said so, so much good stuff in there. There's like all of these intuitive nuances, if you will. Um, and I think a, a really, um, an aha moment, at least for me in here is about intuition and how you said it was scary, but it never felt wrong. Mm-hmm. I think that's the aha moment when people are, I think intuition is such a ginger thing that I don't even know if that's a good way to describe it, but I feel like you have to, you have to um, sort of look at it that way because I think it's an easy thing to, to complicate and, um, and oh gosh, what am I trying to say here? I'm just trying to say that I'm not trying to give you the definition for intuition or anybody, but for me, intuition in the past has been something that hasn't been so black and white, but now I'm able to understand the nuances between it and understand that just because you have a scary feeling doesn't mean that the scary feeling is intuitively telling you not to do it. Right. You have to understand the nuances of your intuition. And that's what I'm trying to get at here in some roundabout way is that you said it's scary, but it never felt wrong. And that's the thing I want people to take away here. If you're feeling scary and it feels wrong, then that is your intuition telling you, "Mm, maybe I shouldn't do it. This feels wrong. But if it feels scary, I think that's really normal when you're going through changes and transitions and divorces and work changes and moving across the country. I mean, all these things can be very overwhelming. Or even sometimes when you're just sitting at home, when you were talking about sitting at home in Round Rock, 
and having all of these questions flood through your head. And it sounds like maybe even a little bit of anxiety. You Mm -hmm. were, you know, you, you were used to probably, and this is me guessing you were used to going, you Mm -hmm. seem like a very social person. You had a very social job and all of a sudden you find yourself and in a quiet neighborhood, probably yes. <laughs> sitting there all day long with nothing uh-huh. but your thoughts to kind of come in and like mess with you a little bit, but oh, yeah. you have such a strong sense of who you are, I think, and uh, such a strong uh, sense of following your gut, following in- your intuition that I feel like you were able to decipher between the two. And there's people out there that I feel like are can get really confused like I have in the past. And Mm -hmm. so I think that that's an important thing for people to kind of sit with and try to like peel apart and understand the differences in their feelings so they can Mm -hmm. understand when they should follow, you know what I mean, their intuition or when they should understand what that feeling in their stomach feels like that's, that's like, Oh, this is scary. I feel nervous, but I know I should still be here. I know I should be Mm -hmm. doing this. I know I should put push forward. So that was such an important thing. And I'm so glad that you spoke to that topic and that, you know, the, the secret is, is like you said, there is no secret way of doing anything. (laughs) Like you're, you were like, I can't tell you, I'm not sure I could tell you how I did this. Are you kidding me? I can't tell you how I got divorced. My mom reminded me that she had to like basically hold my hand and go to the courthouse and walk in there with me. And she was like, remember when we did that? I was like, we did did that. (laughs) I was like a zombie, you know what I mean? Walking through life. Like, Oh, this is what you have to do. Like to have my mom, I'm in my late thirties and my mom like help me facilitate this. I mean, it's a really traumatic thing. I mean, you don't think about every step you're kind of in survival mode during some transitions of starting over. And it doesn't have to be like the things that we're talking about today for the, for the listeners out there, the, the, it can be happening from your own home. You know, you can be dealing with a family member that's sick or, you know, the loss of an animal or you get in a car accident. I mean, the list goes on and on. So I think starting over is always, usually always scary. And (laughs) there's no secret. You just have to push forward as you have so graciously described to us. And you also said something that I thought was really cool because Alex and I were like talking about this the other day. We were, it's so weird that you mentioned it. You were talking about how in your twenties, it's different than starting Mm -hmm. over, like say in your thirties. And Mm -hmm. the other, the other day we were having a conversation about being in your mid twenties and there like comes to a point (laughs) I mean, you're always like, so free spirited and I can do this and I can quit this job and I can do this and I can do do whatever I want and I can start over a million times. And then all of a sudden you're in your mid twenties and you're like, shit, yeah, I can't really keep doing that anymore. I can't really keep jumping from this to that or making this much money or doing whatever it is. You're like, it's kind of like this mental wake up call that hits you in the face at some point in your twenties. And then, so in your thirties, you've already gone through all of that. And it's just very different starting over, at least for me. And it sounds like for you in your thirties. Absolutely. I think too, I was a late bloomer with all of that. I think I just kept saying, well, I'm good. I'm good. You know, it'll all work out after I turned 30 something and, you know, was going through my divorce. And so I still think I had a little bit of immunity And now I'm like, well, (laughs) I'm at a point where, you know, everything, you do consider things in a different way. It doesn't mean, you know, there won't be scary decisions and challenges starting over, but 
would I be as whimsical as to be like, sure, I'll go to Paris and try and sell newspapers on the street corner to, you know, I don't know, make a living tomorrow because I want to experience the city. I wouldn't do that today. However, would I do that then? Yes. <laughs> so it is, it's a, it's a big thing with age, but also I always want to try and remember, like, always still have some, some of that that you stick with, you know, like bigger decisions, scary decisions are, they're good for us in a lot of ways too. The starting over and the making kind of whimsical decisions here and there, they are good for us sometimes. I, I agree. And I don't want any of our listeners, cause I feel like I know you well enough. I wouldn't want anyone thinking that I'm suggesting that there is like a cutoff limit for starting over. If anything, it's to the contrary. I'm saying uh-huh. like, I'm just <laughs> yep. saying, I'm just, of course, just sort of expressing how views change because there may be people listening to this in their twenties. And I know I've had friends for some reason, I always have, I have friends all over the spectrum. I have friends that are good, good friends that are like 10 years younger than me, just kind of wiser, even beyond their years. Mm-hmm. And they would be in their mid twenties thinking, Oh my gosh, I'm never going to find the man of my dreams. And so I'm like, you're in your twenties yeah. <laughs> and you're gorgeous. And you're smart. Come on. <laughs> Seriously. But I'm just saying being just a little bit older, uh, yeah. you know, we're just describing some of the, the ways that you may feel as you start over and transition in your thirties. I mean, in your twenties versus your thirties might feel a little bit like more free flowing and going in your twenties. And I think that's also because usually, usually when you're in your twenties, you don't, you, you aren't settled down yet. You, you don't have the responsibilities that, that you often do in your mid thirties, whether it's with animals or children or marriage mm-hmm. and a mortgage. So I think a, a lot of it, a lot of that has to do with it as well. But yeah. I also think that, you know, what I want people to take away from our conversation today too, is that there's a lot of magic in starting over. And you, Stephanie had mentioned something to the effect of this too, but, you know, I think it's, it's always, it's, it's often, maybe not always, it's often better than what you can't imagine because you Mm -hmm. mentioned this stuff that has happened to you now, you would have never been able to imagine it that you'd be married to this freaking awesome guy who's Mm -hmm. a firefighter and living in this awesome city here and doing, you know, having this awesome job with this co-host that you love, like, and these animals that you love, like you just couldn't like dreamt that up or imagine that particular scenario happening that way, like five years before. And I think that is, that's something very important for people to take away is that often through changes, people are anticipating the worst or they're sitting there going, well, what if this happens? What if that happens? Mm -hmm. And they're also, they're often negative questions that people are asking, but there's so much magic and beauty and change also and starting over. And often it's just better than we could ever imagine if we can just trust the process. Amen, sister. Just trust it. Just go with the flow. And what I love about you also, I do love so many things about you. You're just so real and raw honest and just down to earth and just, I just think that you're so sincere and I just really, really respect that. But what I love about you also is that you still manage to bring with you like this insight and determination to succeed that I have not seen. And just a lot, a lot of people, what is your biggest takeaway if there is one from starting over in general? Mm, This is a great question. (laughs) (laughs) Take your time. It's okay. Take your time. 
Well, I, I mean, I feel like I have done it so many times and every single time has had like a new or evolved lesson. But when I look back and sort of say, all right, this is like my life's path. This has been, this is where I turned left. This is where I turned right. That every single turn I made, every single direction I went, whether that was right, wrong, good, bad, whatever, it was the one that I did. It's like, this is my story and I'm sticking to it. And looking back on those things, I wouldn't change one left turn because where I'm at right now, I like, I mentally cannot like think that I would, there's nothing more that I want, you know, different. There's nothing I want different from this. And so I'd say probably just not dwelling on any of the things that you would maybe maintain as a mistake or did I do this right? Or even overthinking like, gosh, that was a great decision or any of those things, like just let them all meld together in the soup that makes up your story because that is something that like, that is mine. That is the only thing in this world that is mine is that story. And like looking back and like regretting or feeling bad or having guilt, like I have little bits and pieces of like, I wish I wouldn't have hurt my ex-husband, but if I didn't do that, I wouldn't be here. He wouldn't be like, he grew from it. I know he gained things. So there, there is that portion of it. And so I would say if I had to identify, I mean, something, my biggest takeaway is just to kind of like admire admire the stew that is your story. <laughs> I don't know if that is even a thing that people can regurgitate or if it is edible, but oh, that's, that's what oh. I'm going to say. <laughs> Are you kidding? I'm going to steal that and use it all the time. At first I thought you said soup and then you said stew or whatever it is. I, well, I think I did. I think I, it's I'm, both. I'm just telling you, I like both and I like food and I'm going to use it all the time because it's a great way to describe exactly what you just said. And I completely agree. You don't dwell on what you did or didn't do because one, let me tell you, it can't change it Uh -uh. and you wouldn't be who or where you are if you did. I mean, literally, literally, you know, if you leave the building 30 seconds later, your whole life is different. So I think it's, it's a, it's a waste to go back and, and try to contemplate that type of stuff. I think we just have to look for the golden nuggets, the lessons Mm -hmm. and do our best with what we have to move forward. And I'm so grateful for you sharing yourself with us all today. Before we go, I do have one last question. If it's okay with you, if you do have one, that's great. If you don't, it's okay too. But I would like to ask you what one of your favorite quotes is and why. Oh my gosh. So this is all very, um, I don't know. Like I, I used to be this girl who had all the quotes all the time. And, and I love reading other people's inspirational quotes. And I have I think, oh my gosh, this is so embarrassing, but I think my back tattoo, my lower back tattoo, tramp stamp, I think they call these, I think <laughs> it says live, love, laugh, but I don't know because I haven't seen it. So <laughs> oh my gosh. But it like stuff that's like, awesome. oh, I have to go. Oh, that's so embarrassing. That's awesome. Um, it's awesome. So, <laughs> it's so, awesome. I'll ask my husband. What does that thing say? Um, oh but I like, I don't really have this like whimsical 
quote to live by anymore. Like I do, I do love reading them and I do like write little things down and I screenshot so many of your, like you have such cute little screen, um, what are like memes? They're not even memes. What they're just slides, I guess, that say all kinds of like motivational things and stuff. Um, and I do screenshot that sort of thing, but I don't have a favorite per se. So when you asked me that, uh, Gentry did give me a little heads up to say like, I might ask this, which is great because I, it took me like four, <laughs> four seconds to think like, what is something that I actually like, it resonates with me. It makes me giggle a little bit because of a time in my life, but it actually still means something. And I would have to say from one of the best movies of all time, Joe Dirt, keep on keeping on. <laughs> That's it. Keep on keeping on. I Please tell that. me you've seen Joe Dirt. I have, but it's been a minute. Girl, keep it's on been keeping a minute. On. <laughs> keep on keeping on. Stone in mullet and everything. Um, but no, that's, I mean, I, it's not magic. It is from the mouth of Joe Dirt. <laughs> so, but it, awesome. it works. It works. And it's something that I probably think or say more than anything. I obviously don't. I don't think my tattoo says that, but, <laughs> but it's, it's something that resonates and that would be it. It's, it's no, it's not, it's not, that. but yeah, I think, I think the keep on keeping on is we could go a lot deeper than <laughs> no, no. When I say no, wait, I don't want this to be misconstrued. I'm just saying keep on keeping on is deep and it's profound. It it's like a, sh it it's like an abbreviated version to say something, a quick way to say something that's really deep. Yeah. And so I guess we'll leave it there for you guys out there at home. You can marinate on it a little bit. <laughs> you can come up with your, your own meaning for me. It's just, it's just kind of like rolling with the punches and that's mm -hmm. even a lighthearted way of just saying that we're going to always get a lot of crap thrown at us. It's just, it's just a part of life. Like you just can't escape it. I've said this recently, like you can't, go on a vacation to vacation away your problems. Cause when you come back home and they're going to be there. So mm -hmm. I think there is just something very meaningful, uh, very resonating with keep on keeping on like, like just saying, you know, stuff is going to happen, but you just got to keep going. <laughs> it's, it's, it's real. <laughs> it's, you ain't got a choice, right? Yeah. The only thing you have a choice is as you've so beautifully described it, us today in so many different ways is how you handle things. That's your choice, well, guys. <laughs> probably to be continued because I can't wait at some point to tell you how I have to handle life, you know, during a, uh, I guess, you know, a whole pandemic, uh, doing a TV show from home. So maybe on the next one, Gentry. Oh my goodness. Yes. <laughs> I know, but the time went by so fast today. I it does. I, and I talk a lot. I'm sorry for all No. That are you kidding me? That's what we're here for. <laughs> I love sharing these golden nuggets from you. So we're definitely going to do that soon because I want to hear mm -hmm. about, I know you're at KXAN at Studio 512. I mentioned that earlier. If you guys haven't seen the show, you need to. It's an awesome way to get up and get going in the morning, like just hanging out with your friends. It's so awesome. But I do want to hear how that transition has been with you because I know it's completely turned things upside down and maybe in some positive ways. I don't know. We're going to talk about it next time. But stay I want to, yeah, stay tuned <laughs> for that. And I just also want to say thank you again so much for spending time with us today, Stephanie, because you, your demonstration of like courage is so truly admirable to me. And I know our listeners are going to grab so many of these golden 
nuggets today and be able to chew on them. Uh, Y'all can connect with Stephanie on IG at stephaniegilbert.tv and tune in weekdays to KXAN to watch her live on Studio 512 from 11 to noon. You can also watch one of our live recorded versions of the Beauty Side podcast, which was our second interview on YouTube. If you want to catch that, just Google Gentry Quinn. And we'll, of course, include all of these golden nuggets in our show notes for you today. Thanks for taking time out of your day to spend it with us. And remember, the more you know, the more you glow. Until next time, my friend. Ciao for now. Keep on keeping on, girl. Keep on keeping <laughs> on. I'm going to leave this part in there, too. Oh, jeez. i